Before I begin my lesson this morning, I want to take one minute of your time to um, brag on your music director. She just gave me a look. (laughs) Connie has been with us 14 years. Is that right? At Unity Spiritual Center of the Rockies. And so I think we should just recognize her and thank her for a moment. Surround her by lo- with love. And, um, and after the service, tell her what you appreciate about her. Give her a word of affirmation. 14 years is a remarkable ministry. And um, it's not to be missed, the marking of that. The other thing I want to say is that this week, I think some of you know that I, I do a chaplain residency at Penrose St. Francis um, Hospital System. And this week I was the host, the organizer, for a service for mothers and fathers and, and parents who lost children uh, this quarter for the last four months, uh, fetal loss. And um, we had uh, a wonderful um, gathering and a wonderful service. And I asked Connie if she would come and play music for that afternoon service. And um, the way that she played that music uh, while the candles were being lit, while names were being called, was a beautiful ministry to those involved. So I wanted to lift her up in this regard as well. So thank you for that. Um, So when I say the word Ash Wednesday, what comes to your mind? Hmm? The beginning of Lent, correct? What else? What comes to your mind when we talk about Ash Wednesday? The ashes. So people put ashes on your, you're imposed. Ashes are imposed on your forehead. What do the ashes represent? Does anybody know? Anybody grow up Catholic? No? <laughs> I didn't grow up Catholic. Um, and it wasn't a big deal for me, Ash Wednesday. It wasn't something the, the church that I grew up in um, really did. I didn't learn about Ash Wednesday until much later. Um, ashes, uh, Ash Wednesday, which is three days from now, represents... Uh, Mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Lamentation, mortality, right? From ashes you come to ashes you will return, right? Isn't that what's said when the ashes are put on? From ash to ash. Mortality and penance. I, I, I wanted to talk about uh, Ash Wednesday a little bit this morning with you. Um, and I wanted to look into its origins. Where did it come from? It's not exactly like in the Gospels or in the Epistles or in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. It's not exactly like uh, there's a commandment that at the beginning of Lent you'll uh, put ashes on your forehead and remember your mortality. So where did it come from? I wanted to know. And 
I found out that it originates in Hebrew Bible times, in the times of the Old Testament. Ashes symbolized mourning and mortality and penance. And one of the first mentions of ashes uh, is, is when David learns, King David learns, of his beloved Saul's death. The ones who told David about Saul's death wore sackcloth and had ashes all over their face when they told him that his beloved Saul had died. We associate this practice of ashes with death and dying. It's a time to reflect on our own mortalities. From ashes we come to ashes we will return. I want you to think about those people in David's court. They had to tell him that his beloved Saul was dead. And they prepared themselves out of honor and respect with this symbol of death and mortality. They put ashes on themselves. It is a symbol of grief. It is a symbol of tears and crying. A Presbyterian minister I know speaks of growing up without much recognition of Ash Wednesday and, you know, just wasn't something his church did. But after a while, a lot of Protestant churches started um, recognizing Ash Wednesday. And he said he would just sort of go through the motions, put ashes on people and remind them of their mortality. Until one day, he was sitting in an Ash Wednesday service with his 17-year-old son. And he went up and he got his ashes. And his son went up and he got his ashes. And he looked at his son And he said, for the first time, I realized that not only was I going to die, which he had sort of reflected upon, but that his beloved son would die one day too. And in that moment, Ash Wednesday, and our reflection on death and dying began to mean something to him. Tears came to his eyes. My son will die one day too. We are so hesitant to look death and dying in the face. We are so quick to um, turn away from death and dying. And Ash Wednesday is this gentle reminder that we are mortal and that we will die. It doesn't mean that we are without hope. All of us have different ideas about what will happen when we die. Some of us say we will return to the earth and we'll be part of the earth's energy and life and we will be renewed in this way. Some say that we will go to heaven and be with God. Some say that we'll be reincarnated. Who knows what happens after we die? But Ash Wednesday is a time to remember that this life with these fingers and these eyes and this face and these knees and these hips that sometimes go bad, all of this is going to come to an end. So it's appropriate, I think, to talk about it. I am love. It's appropriate to talk about Ash Wednesday uh, because um, the fact that we are born and we will die means that in that gap in between, 
we have opportunities to love and live our best lives. So another time that we learn about ashes in the Hebrew Bible is in the book of Esther. And Esther is, uh, Esther is um, orphaned, and her, her uncle Mordecai uh, takes her in. Mordecai works for the king, and the king is, um, is powerful in this time. And uh, all of the young women in the land are invited to come and find out who will be the new queen, because the old queen has died, and a new queen is needed, and the king is going to gather all these young women and find out who will be the next queen. And sure enough, it's Esther. She becomes the queen. And so Esther is the queen. Her uncle Mordecai is a powerful figure in the the king's court. And Haman, any Jewish people here? Anybody grow up Jewish? Haman. And um, Haman's the bad guy. He's no good. No good, right? No good. Everybody has to like scream and say mean things whenever Haman is mentioned, right? Um, And um, so he is the bad guy in this story. And he is the arch enemy of Mordecai. And he wants Mordecai dead. But not only does he want Mordecai dead, he wants everybody who is like Mordecai, all the Jewish people in the land, to be dead. So he rallies to try to kill all the Jewish people. And Mordecai, learning about this, that the king is going to go along with this, um, with this plan, Mordecai puts on sackcloth and puts on ashes. He is going to bear witness, Mordecai is, to um, the idea that no one should be killed in this way. So he sits outside the, the gates of, um, of, the, of the palace and he wears sackcloth and put ashes because his people are in danger. His people are in danger. So metaphysically speaking, the story of ashes in the Esther and, and Mordecai story is that all people should flourish. All people should flourish. Esther saves the day. If you're a mother and you have young children who are girls, um, tell the Esther story. I mean, she's the she's one of the super heroines of the Bible, and um, uh, she's a really powerful figure. Mordecai is lifted up in this story because he puts ashes on to um, alert the king and all the people that uh, the Jews should not be killed and that all people should live. In the Job story, we see ashes as well. Job is a very interesting, complex story. And uh, Job is a righteous person. He does everything right. And what happens to Job? Everything comes at him. Every bad thing that you could possibly imagine comes at Job. Everything. And um, he loses his kids. He loses his property. He gets sick. All these things happen to Job. And the story of, that, of, of the play, the drama that is Job, is how can a righteous person, how can a good person experience 
this much stuff, right? And um, his friends come along and they talk, 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 talk. He's suffering. He's in anguish. He's lost everything. And his friends come along one after another and they just talk at him, right? So the first time, any, you know, the first time in biblical literature where the, um, the advice to just sit down and do nothing comes in the face of suffering is in Job, right? The friends are going to talk and talk and talk. Job finally, at the end, um, regains everything after a long, long process. And he begins to see that life is unfair, but in the midst of the unfairness that God is, and that there is a light that can guide us. And to symbolize that repentance and that coming to wholeness and that journey to well-being, he puts on ashes to recognize that he has limits to his understanding, but that there's light and grace and beauty in the world, even in the midst of our suffering. He puts on ashes and recognizes that God is God. Finally, the final story that I'll tell you this morning. So all these ashes appear in the Hebrew Bible, and each one of them has kind of a metaphysical um, story behind them. Right? So Mordecai is going to bear witness that all people should flourish. Right? Um, David in his mourning, is going to bear witness to the idea that there's love that's so strong that we don't know what to do except cry out in anguish. Um, Mordecai is going to bear witness that everybody is important and valuable. And Job is going to bear witness, metaphysically speaking, that we can do everything right. We can do everything perfectly but bad things still might happen to us. But even in the midst of that suffering, there is a light, there is a beauty, there is grace, there is the holy, there is God. Daniel, in, um, in the Hebrew Bible, this would have been 2,500, 2,600 years ago, Daniel says, I turned to God and I pleaded, In earnest prayer, I fasted, I put on sackcloth, and I put on ashes. Because what Daniel had seen is that um, his people, the Jewish people, the Hebrews, were going to be exiled. They were going to be cast out of their land, and they were going to be in exile for a long time. And in the midst of that exile... He cried out in anguish, please, please don't let this happen. And he put on ashes to represent the pain of exile. If we think about this metaphysically, right, um, the idea of exile is that every one of us at times, every one of us will have a divided self, our best self and our actions will be out of whack, will be a little bit off. And um, Daniel, seeing that his people were going to go into exile, put on ashes and cried out 
to the Lord. The best example that I can think of in the Hebrew Bible where ashes are put on is in Jonah, the story of Jonah. You know, Jonah was called to go and preach in a particular land and go and bear witness to peace in a particular place. And he decided that he would rather go somewhere else. Right? Remember that? So he gets on a boat and he's going to go off somewhere else. And um, it just so happens in this play that um, Jonah is cast out of the boat by these people on the boat. Um, And a whale swallows him up. And the whale swallows him up, and eventually he gets back to Nineveh. These are plays. Job is a play. Jonah is a play. They're they're TV shows. They're, um, they're, They're little morality stories to remind us of what's important, you see. Um, And Jonah finally gets to Nineveh via this whale. He finally gets to Nineveh, and he lives into the calling of his life. And the Ninevites, I don't know what Jonah said to the Ninevites, but I imagine he talked about the fact that he had this great call, and he ignored it. And God sent this whale to eat him up, but not to destroy him. And the whale deposited him in Nineveh, and he came into his life's work. And seeing that, the Ninevites repented. The Ninevites said, I want to be a part of that too. Metaphysically speaking, the story of Jonah is about the fact that everybody has a call. Everybody has a purpose in life. Everybody has some reason to be on the planet. And all of us, all of us at times, are um, tempted to go the other direction quickly, with haste, powerfully, to avoid the call of our lives. The call of our lives are what we're here for. We're here to make sense of the fact that we're born and that we'll die. And in between, to flourish and to come to life and to walk into the great call of our lives. Every one of us has that. And Jonah is kind of a comedic little story about the fact that if you avoid the call of your life, um, you're going to be swallowed by a whale. You know, you're, and you're going to be um, put on, on the path that is ultimately for you one way or another. Right? So I love that one the best because it's, it's an absurd story. And if anybody ever tries to tell you that it's, you know, it's the literal truth, just ignore them and recognize that it's really a story about living into your call and being the best you that you can be with God on your side. So that's where where the putting on of ashes comes. It's about mortality, it's about lamentation, and it's about um, turning to the deep truth at the center of your life, repenting, right? in traditional circles, it's, it's, it's sort of repenting means that 
you're a bad person and that you're full of sin and that you've got to turn your life around. In our circles, it means that you've got this great call. You've got this great purpose. You've got this great meaning in your life. And the invitation to move toward it is always before you. To seek the truth, to seek your path, and to move forward with clarity and passion. So, I hope that Lent and Ash Wednesday is um, a reminder of your deepest, best self in line with God's calling for you and um, in line with what you are here to do in the world, to pursue peace, to pursue justice, and to live your life with great passion. May you be blessed.